So John chapter 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus travelled in Galilee, since he did not want travel in Judea, did not want to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. The Jewish festival of shelters was near. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to, to Judea so your disciples can see your works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he's seeking public recognition. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus told them, my time has not yet arrived, but your time is always at hand. The world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. Go up to the festival yourselves. I am not going to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said these things, he stayed in Galilee. After his brothers had gone up to the festival, then he also went up not openly but secretly. The Jews were looking for him at the festival and saying, where is he? And there was a lot of murmuring about him among the crowd. Some were saying, he's a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he's deceiving the people. Still, nobody was talking publicly about him for fear of the Jews. When the festival was already half over, Jesus went into the temple and began to teach. Then the Jews were amazed and said, How is this man learned since he hasn't been trained? Then Jesus answered them, My teaching isn't mine, but it is from the one who sent me. And over to verse 37. On the last moment, on the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow deep within him. He said that he said this about the spirit. Those who those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the spirit, for the spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. When some of the crowd heard these words, they said this truly is the prophet. Others said, this is the Messiah. But some said, surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee, does he? Doesn't the scripture say that the Messiah comes from David's offspring and from the town of Bethlehem where David lived? So the crowd was divided because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. And then over to chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in, darkness, in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you were testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one, and if I do judge, my judgment is true, because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of one, two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. 
Then they asked him, where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would know, you would, you would also know my father. He, he spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. on. Morning everybody, wonderful to see you all um, and thanks so much for your support and prayers uh, as we continue this ministry to reach out with the good news and the light of the world. Uh, how about we pray and as we look more deeply at God's word. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is indeed the light of all, all the whole world for all mankind and uh, we pray you'd help us to see that light today, uh, to come to Jesus, to walk in his light and to share his light with the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, as we've heard recently, uh, we're in the middle of the Diwali festival season. Millions of lamps. Oh, hold on. I should have a clicker, shouldn't I? That's a good idea. Yes, I forgot to get the clicker. <laughs> I'll start again. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks, Peter. I do have some, photo for some photos, so it'd be nice to see them. <laughs> All right. Probably haven't turned it on, have I? There we go. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> All right, so in the middle of the Diwali festival season, millions of lamps are lit throughout India and across the world. Uh, just next week, we're going to have a Cumberland festival, a Diwali festival, and they're going to light lamps and fireworks. Uh, fireworks and lanterns are lit, and the festival is full of food and joyful celebration. People wear new clothes to mark new beginnings. And families gather to share ancient stories of light defeating the darkness, good defeating evil. Now the meaning and the stories behind Diwali are different depending on where you come from. Uh, it's celebrated mainly by Hindus, but also by Jains, Sikhs and Buddhists. But it has the same general hope. Many Indians know this ancient prayer or mantra, lead me from falsehood to truth. Lead me from darkness to light. Lead me from death to immortality. These verses cry out in hope that one day the light will defeat the darkness. Now, all this, this is from a Hindu scripture. I believe this general hope was planted into these cultures by God from the beginning. So Ecclesiastes 3 says something similar. It says that God has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. There's this inkling, this sense that all cultures have. Uh, if there is darkness, then there must be light. If there is evil, there must be good. If there is time, there must be eternity or immortality. I'm not saying that everything in other religions is true or right. Far from it. But there are grains of truth in every culture, in every religion. In John's Gospel, which we're looking at today, Jesus is called the light way before he came to walk among us in, in the flesh. John 1, 4-5 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He doesn't say that he is the light of Christians, 
or even he's the light of the Jews, but he's the light of all mankind. Whatever light or truth is in other cultures, through creation or through general revelation, all truth ultimately comes from Jesus. So Hindus have this ancient prayer that longs for truth and light and immortality, celebrated in the festival of Diwali. But today we're going to see three things that answer the hope of Diwali and in fact of all spiritual longing. Firstly, Jesus is the light of the world. Secondly, Jesus wants us to walk in the light. And thirdly, Jesus wants us to share his light with the world. So firstly, Jesus is the light of the world. I wonder if you knew that the Bible also has an ancient festival of lights. Every year, the Jewish people celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. There they remembered when God saved them out of slavery from Egypt, that dark, that dark place where they were in slavery, and led them for 40 years through the desert. During the day, he led them in a pillar of cloud, and at night, a blazing pillar of fire lit the way through the darkness. During this journey in the desert, they lived in tents or tabernacles, that's why it's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And even up to the time of the Lord Jesus, it was a time of great joy and celebration, celebrating God's light and his salvation. The Jewish writings say, He who has not seen the joy of this place during this festival has never in his life seen joy. Uh, some people think you've never seen an Indian wedding, you've never experienced joy. Well, there you go. Well, at this festival, four huge lamps or candelabras were lit in the temple courts. They were 22 meters or seven stories high. And it's written that men of devotion and good works danced through the night, holding burning torches in their hands and singing songs and praises to God. Can you imagine the joy and the light that bathed Jerusalem at that time? Well, it's on the last and greatest day of this festival that the Lord Jesus stood up and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This was a huge claim because the Jews believed that God himself was a source of light. Psalm 36 says, For you, with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. So for Jesus to say, I am the light of the world, he's saying that he is God. He is the source of all light. Jesus is the true and living God, the light of the world, the light of all mankind. Now, our Hindu friends have this hope that one day light will triumph over the darkness. And that is not an accident. God has put that longing in their hearts. But who answers that longing? What certainty do they have that good will conquer evil? The Lord Jesus says that he is the one who answers our heart's cry for truth, for light, for immortality. He's saying, I am the light that all these festivals are pointing to. I am the light that conquers the darkness. And he proved it. The Lord Jesus promised that one day he will absorb all the darkness and evil in this world and destroy it. And when he died on the cross, darkness covered the land for three hours. But on the morning of the third day, he rose to life again. Like the light of a new day, the Lord Jesus rose and defeated the darkness. Jesus is the light of the world, the light of all mankind. 
And secondly, Jesus wants us to walk in the light. See, it's not just about seeing the light, but coming to the light, walking in the light. Jesus says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's not enough to know that light exists. Jesus wants us to come into the light. To walk in the light so that we will never walk in darkness. The Jews journeyed for 40 years, yet never walked in the darkness, for God was leading them. In the same way, if you follow Jesus, you will never walk in darkness. But if Jesus is the light of the world, then to not follow him is to walk in darkness. Maybe you've been too busy to consider who Jesus is or or to come to him. We know the light is there, but we don't seek it. The other thing John tells us is that people don't come to the light because we want to hide the darkness within us. We're afraid of the light. Look at John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Jesus shines a light on our hearts, doesn't he? And that can be scary. He reveals the darkness within. And we don't like that. We're like cockroaches, you know, when you get up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep. Maybe you go to the kitchen for a midnight snack. You turn the light on, what happens? Cockroaches run away into the darkness. They're afraid of the light. Maybe if you haven't done your pest control, maybe if you have, it's still there. I don't know. But they, they run away from the darkness. We're a bit like that. We don't like our darkness being exposed. We, we tend to run away from it, to hide. But the wonderful thing about Jesus is he doesn't condemn us for our evil deeds. Instead, he washes us clean from our darkness so we can walk with him. That's the other thing light does, doesn't it? It makes the darkest colors fade. Have you ever put something in the sun for a long time and it just fades, the brightest colors, the strongest colors? We've got these plastic outdoor chairs and they're really dark green. You can see the ones on the left or the ones underneath the stack. The one on the right is the one on top of the stack. You see the stark difference that the light has done? After so many days in the sun, it's bleached the chairs. It's almost made them white. See, friends, we are afraid to come to the light, but when we do, Jesus washes us clean. He takes away our darkness so we can be more like him. I've always wondered why the story of the woman caught in adultery is in the beginning of chapter 8. I mean, chapters 7 and 8 around this story are both in the context of the Feast of Tabernacles. But then you've got this story sandwiched in the middle, chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. It probably wasn't part of the original gospel, I mean, it's a true story. It's historical, but it probably wasn't written by the Apostle John. Why has it been put here? I think because in the midst of all this opposition to Jesus, people saying he has a demon, being afraid to come to the light, there's this woman who is clearly guilty. Under the law, she deserves to be stoned to death, and everyone is condemning her. But Jesus does a remarkable thing. Does anyone not remember what he says? Go and see no more. Yeah, and before that, he who is without sin 
cast the first stone. So one by one, the men start to walk away. The older ones first, until only Jesus is left with the woman standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. Jesus is the only one who has no sin. He's the only one with the right to judge, to point the finger. Yet when we come to Jesus covered in shame, he doesn't condemn us. Instead, he forgives us and cleanses us and calls us to leave our darkness behind. All of us have things we are ashamed of, dark things that we don't want anyone else to, speak, to see, especially God. If we pretend we have no sin, we are only lying to, we're not only lying to God, but ourselves. But as John writes in his first letter, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. There is no need to hide in the shadows. Come to Jesus and his light will purify you from all darkness. Friends, if you're here today and you don't yet know Jesus, can I encourage you to get to know him? Get to know him as a person. Read the stories. See his character, his love, his power. See if he's true. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't take my word for it. Pray to him. See if he answers your prayers. See if he takes away your darkness. I've known the Lord Jesus for more than 30 years and during the darkest times of my life, even through a life-threatening illness, I knew that Jesus was with me. I felt Jesus standing beside me, giving me strength and hope. I've never felt Jesus' presence more than during that darkest time of my life. I can't explain it, but the joy of knowing the Lord was greater than my fear. The fear of the unknown. Even though I'm healed now, my hope is greater than this world. But there have been times since then when I haven't felt as close to Jesus. Maybe things have been too easy and I haven't depended on him. But despite however I feel, I know that Jesus will never leave me. Friends, maybe you put your trust in Christ a long time ago but the distractions and the pleasures or the worries of this world have made you take your eyes off Jesus. Maybe have made you wander into the darkness again. Maybe today Jesus is calling you back to him. To walk closely with him. Brothers and sisters, fix your eyes on Jesus. Follow him and you will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Well, thirdly, Jesus wants us to share his light with the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, then Jesus wants you to share his light, not to keep it in. Uh, during the same festival, Jesus also says that he is the source of living water. Uh, John 7, oops, oh, I think I've gone too far. Maybe I haven't got that one. Okay, let's just read you in your Bible or just listen. John 7, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this he met the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. 
Again, during the Feast of Tabernacles, the priest would draw some water from the pool of Siloam and they'd pour out this water on the altar as an offering to God. Again, it was a time of remembrance of how God looked after them in the desert, how he gave them water from the rock. Remember how Moses stood on the rock and struck the rock and the water came gushing out of it? It's in remembrance of that that Jesus stands up and says, I am the living water. Jesus promises that whoever believes in him will not only get to drink physical water, but rivers of water will flow from within them. Through the Holy Spirit, we are able to bless others with this life-giving water. We're never meant to keep the light of light to ourselves. I know this is mixing metaphors a bit, but Jesus says we're the light of the world and we're the source of living water to, th- to a thirsty world. Not because we're good people, not because we have light naturally coming out of us, but because Jesus lives in us by his Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, are we offering Jesus light to those around us? Of course we do this with gentleness and respect. We ask them about their background and listen well. What are their hopes and longings? But there are people around us who are living in darkness who need the light. We have that light. There are people around us who are spiritually thirsty and we have living water to offer them. But we need to keep walking closely with Jesus ourselves for he is the source of our life. There's a beautiful old hymn called O Love That Will Not Let Me Go. And the second verse goes like this. O light that followest all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray that in thy sunshine's blaze its day may brighter, fairer be. Let's not hide our lamps, but let's shine brightly so that all may see Jesus, the light of the world, and walk with him for eternity. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is indeed the light of the world, not just the light for us Christians or the Jews, but for all cultures, all people from all backgrounds. Lord, we thank you for the hope and the, and the longing for light and truth and immortality that you planted in people's hearts. And we thank you that Jesus is that light who conquers the darkness. Lord, help us to walk with him closely, to never take our eyes off Jesus and to shine his light to the world so that people may know him, love him, worship him and live forever with him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.